Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Golf Strategy School. Now, I know you're listening because you want to learn how to play better golf. But if you want to see how you compare to other golfers your age, you need to check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. That is par, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And what it will do is it will actually give you a free assessment where you can see exactly how you measure up against other people your age. And you can see where you're excelling, where you need to focus your time on. And this is an assessment, honestly, that you can take once a month just to see how you're progressing throughout your golf journey. So again, check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see how you measure up against other golfers your age. Hey everybody, Marty Griffin here with the Golf Strategy School podcast, the only podcast designed to help golfers get over that milestone score of breaking 90. And as you probably know, we just went through a month-long series on how to break 80, so if you want to check that out, I'll leave a link for that in the description. But what we're talking about today, we're getting back to our roots, going about how we can break 90. So today I'm going to share with you what I feel are the five biggest keys to breaking 90. Let's talk about it. All right, so we're, we're back in the saddle. We're talking about breaking 90 again. What do we need to do? Well, if you find yourself as one of those people who's maybe, maybe you're a casual golfer who's starting to play the game a little bit more often and you want to see some better numbers, or maybe you're someone who plays a fair amount and you just, you can never really figure out what part of your game is going to betray you. And it always ends up in, you know, a little bit of a collapse at the end of your round and you end up writing down a 95 or 102 instead of a 88 or an 89. Well, today we're going to look at what I think are the five most important keys. And really when it comes down to it in order, we're looking at accuracy off the tee. We're looking at equipment, making sure that we have the right equipment in our bag. We're looking at chipping and really kind of the short game in general. We're looking at putting because obviously that happens a heck of a lot. And then also what are some of the, the big tenants that we can keep in our mental game to help us break 90? Now let's go into these one by one here. So first off, driving, tee shots, really. Accuracy is more important than an extra 10 yards off the tee. That's really the long and the short of it. If you're someone who's really having a hard time breaking 90, it is not because you need another 20, 40, 50 yards off the tee. Because frankly, there's probably not you're going to there's not a lot that you can do in a short period of time that's going to give you an extra 30 40 50 yards off the tee but being more accurate off the tee will save you tons and tons of penalty strokes so that's really what we're looking at is we're looking at accuracy off the tee over distance now i know we all just watched Bryson DeChambeau win the 2020 US Open by just murdering the ball <laughs> over the course and I do think there is a, a kind of transition point in skill level where distance does become more important than accuracy. But if you're struggling to break 90, you are not at that level yet. So as someone who's trying to break 90, let's think of it this way. We want to hit the middle of the club face. If we hit the middle of the club face, the club is going to work as efficiently as possible on our behalf. Therefore. 
if we slow down our swing and maybe not even necessarily slow down our swing, if you're a person who just rips it back and rips it through, then yeah, we need to slow down our swing. Uh, I always talk about low and slow with tee shots for my students. So in terms of our backswing, we're moving low to the ground and slowly. So yeah, we want to have a pretty deliberate, calm, controlled backswing. But something that we can do is we can limit the length of that backswing to help give us more control over center face contact. So if we only come to nine o'clock on our backswing, so, you know, basically halfway, three quarters, somewhere in that zone, rather than all the way up to the top, we're going to have a lot better control over where that ball hits on the club face. So just something like that, just at least for a round, if driver is your nemesis, just swap out your full swing for a nine o'clock to three o'clock swing with your driver. Watch how much more accurate you get and watch how you don't really lose any distance because you're hitting the middle of the club face. And now the club is working more efficiently and giving you the same distance, if not more, because you're hitting the middle of the face. So that's what we're talking about with our, our number one key here. It's accuracy off the tee rather than length. When we look at number two, talking about that equipment, what I'm really kind of thinking of is frequency and usage of long irons. Now, if you're someone who is newer to golf, especially, I'm sure you would experience this. But even for people who play a lot, honestly, I'm not going to keep a secret from you. I hate hitting my long irons. I just don't like it. So instead, what did I do instead of continuing to play my three iron? I went and I got a 21 degree hybrid. And that's, that's like a strong four iron, soft three iron for me. And so that helped me out a lot. So if you're playing with a three iron, a four iron, heck, sometimes maybe even a five iron, and it's really, really, really inconsistent for you, at least investigate getting hybrids. I think when I first started with hybrids, the big reason I got them was to really kind of attack par fives in two. So if my drive wasn't necessarily in the fairway, I might be in the rough. And if I'm hitting a three iron or a four iron out of the rough, it's going to be incredibly hard to really get a hold of that ball and send it the direction and the shape that I want it to. Whereas with a hybrid, it allows me to get it up in the air a lot easier and dig it out a lot easier. The same concept happens from the fairway. You know, a, a shot from the rough is harder than a shot from the fairway, but just because you're in the fairway don't mean it's going to be an easy shot. <laughs> so if you're playing long irons and you're really, really struggling with them, just investigate hybrids because a lot of people, when they first start playing hybrids, they can see that immediate increase in confidence in distance and in consistency of the shot. They're not duffing them as much. They're getting nice high ball flights. It's landing softly. So equipment is really talking about long irons and maybe investigating if hybrids are better for you compared to long irons. Next, we're looking at chipping. And this one, you know, when you know my feelings about short game. Short game is probably 70% of our shots. So that's really probably where 70% of our practice should happen, even though we know full well it doesn't. So obviously step one would be just practice your short game more. <laughs> but as a concept, I'm going to steal from Brandon Stukesbury, who actually shared this on a past podcast episode. He said, 
that when you're chipping, and this is all from his book called The Wedge Book, when you're chipping, you want the ball on the ground as soon as possible. And the reason being is because it lowers the chance of a catastrophic error. If we think about what golf is really about, I mean, obviously we want to shoot the lowest score possible, but when it comes to how do you shoot the lowest score possible, it is all about eliminating the catastrophic blow-up holes, right? Uh, one of my past podcast guests, friend of the show, Josh Boggs, he had a great line about breaking 90. He said, if you really want to break 90, you don't need more pars and birdies. You need less eights and nines. And that is something that really, really sunk in for a lot of my listeners, that it's about eliminating the catastrophic holes rather than having one more birdie on 18 holes. So what we're going to do is we are going to try and get that ball on the ground as soon as possible when we're chipping to eliminate that catastrophic failure. If we are, let's say, 10 feet off the green and the pin is in the middle of the green or maybe it's on the backside of the green, we have no business using a sand wedge or a lob wedge and trying to hit it up nice and high and getting it to land close to the hole and stop. We want to do a bump and run shot. And frankly, if you're only 10 feet off the green and you're looking at a 30, 40, 50 foot shot, you might be better off even putting off that fringe because putting is the least catastrophic error out of all of them. So that's really what we're looking at with chipping is getting the ball on the ground as soon as possible. Now, for most of us, that means bump and run. When we're talking about bump and run, really all we want to do is make sure that we are taking basically our same putting stroke as we would if we were on the green. We just have a different club in our hand. So I like to put my weight on my front foot and just take a putting stroke, and that is going to help me just barely lift that ball off the ground. It's going to get the ball on the ground then as soon as possible so it can release and roll out to its target. So when it comes to chipping, get the ball on the ground as soon as possible and let it run out. When we're looking at our number four key here for putting, this is really all coming down to lag putting. Uh, when we look at like the average length of putt, and I can, I can put a link to this uh, tweet in the Show notes, I guess. That's what magic wiggly fingers mean. That means show notes. <laughs> but I'll, I'll put the link to this tweet in here. And it is a breakdown of average length left based on distance by pros. So from 100 yards, how close do you think you, that pros hit it? From 150 yards, how, think do you, or how close do you think pros hit it? Stuff like that. And really what it comes down to is if we're breaking 90 and we hit a green, chances are, we're not sticking it to four feet, all right? We're not going to have that beautiful high draw that hits and runs out for 10 feet and leaves us, you know, like a six, seven-foot putt for birdie that we can convert at a decent percentage. No, we're probably just onto the green. We're probably looking at 30-plus feet on average to that first putt, especially if we're hitting our approach shot onto the green. If we're chipping onto the green, we're still probably looking at, you know, 15 to 20 feet for our first putt on average as a higher handicap golfer who's struggling to break 90. And the thing to remember here is that even pros, professionals who make their entire living, who spend every single waking moment eating, breathing, thinking, dreaming, sleeping, golf, from like 
20 to 25 feet in that range, pros are more likely to three putt than they are to one putt. So part of it is a little bit of a shift in our expectation. So rather than trying to like hammer and ram a putt home from 30 or 40 feet, we want to look at basically like a 10 foot circle around the cup, giving us five feet on each side. And we want to lag it inside of that five foot uh, radius from the cup so we can have a very makeable second putt. Lag putts. It's really what it comes down to. And y'all know that my favorite drill to learn speeds and to learn lag is the six foot putting ladder. So you find a straight putt, you put a ball at six, 12, 18, 24, and 30 feet, and you just start at that six foot putt. You got to get the ball to the hole. It's got to get there, but it cannot go more than, let's say, three feet by the hole. And you take that putt. If you get the ball to the hole and you don't cross that three foot line behind it, let's say you lay a club down behind it, as long as the ball gets to the hole but doesn't touch the club, you move on. Because the goal here, what we're trying to learn, is not to make the putt, but to learn the speed of the greens. And so if at any point you do not get the ball to the hole or you send the ball so far past the hole that it touches the club, you then have to start over. Now, most people, and it shows up just with just like this pro data, most people really start to struggle at 18 feet with that strategy. So imagine then going that same thing from 24 and that same thing from 30 feet. So every six feet, which is roughly two paces, so if you kind of stand at the cup that you're putting to, take two steps, drop a ball, take two steps, drop a ball, that'll give you a rough approximation of six feet. And if you do that, you're going to end up having five putts in a row that you have to make. And you are going to force yourself to learn the speed of the greens, giving you really good confidence in lag putting the rest of your day. Now, our last one here, our fifth key, is the mental game. And for newer golfers, mental game can seem like a Mississippi River-wide type of endeavor. This is really a very basic look at the mental game for people who are trying to break 90. But there's two real things that I want you to focus on. First off is if you're in trouble, get out. I, I don't care what it takes. If you're in the trees, punch out dead sideways. Hell, punch out backwards if you have to. Just get out of trouble. That being said, once you're not in trouble, I would like your goal, and this is just generally speaking, to be to get within 25 to 50 yards of the green in regulation. That's all. Just within 25 to 50 yards. And the thing is, if that's your goal, all of a sudden our green has gone from a target that is, you know, let's say 20 yards wide by 30 yards deep. Our green has gone from 20 by 30 to now we're looking at 70 wide and 80 deep. So anything in that range qualifies as, as a success. Now. Most of the time, we're not going to be in that long quadrant because when we miss hit a ball, we don't go long <laughs> unless we really blade it like a wedge or something. But most of the time, we're going to be short, and that's okay. But what I want you to think about is maybe 
if my goal is just to get within that, you know, 25 to 50 yards of the green, maybe I intentionally take a club that's going to land short because I know I have a better chance of hitting it well. And therefore, if I hit it well, maybe it goes further and I get on the green. So that's our process with our mental game. Those two things. First, if you're in trouble, get out. It's black and white. (laughs) Not up for negotiation. If you're in trouble, get out. Take like a six iron or a seven iron and just hit a little baby shot back to the fairway. But when it comes to situations where we're not in trouble, let's try to be around the green in regulation. Not, Not have to be on the green, just be around the green. So maybe if you're in between clubs, take the shorter club because you feel more comfortable with it. And then work on that short game, that chipping, to get up and down. So if you can do those things, you're going to be much better off, much further on your way to breaking 90. And it's going to make golf a heck of a lot more fun for you. So try those out. Let me know what you think. And as always, I will catch you in a short grass. Cheers, everybody. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par4success.com slash griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of the this free performance assessment that Chris and his team has put together. Again, that's parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see exactly how well you line up against all their golfers your age. And I'll just drop a link to it in the show notes.